Hello and welcome to True Crime People and Places, the podcast where we explore the world of true crime from an academic and personal perspective. I'm Linda Sage, a criminal psychologist with over four decades of experience working with some of the most dangerous individuals in the world. This is a fairly new podcast and we are developing the systems and growing our audience. So we appreciate your support and feedback. This podcast may contain discussions of violence, murder, sexual assault and other topics related to true crime. Listener discretion is advised. If you are sensitive to these topics, please be aware that this podcast may be triggering you. If at any time you feel overwhelmed or distressed, please take a break and seek support from a mental health professional or support organisation. Hi, and very good morning. We are back again. It's uh, Friday, a very wintry Friday here for me. Good morning, Lise. How are things with you? Great. Yeah, it's a bit cold. Um, I'm actually sat by the radiator this morning because it's freezing <laughs> in my house. Right. So today's topic is intimate partner stalking. Now, um, it's quite a large subject, so obviously we're not going to be able to really do it justice in uh, about uh, 20 minutes. But perhaps we can uh, just put some beacons up so people can have an idea about uh, this. I mean, it does cover an awful lot of things. So, Lise, what what's your sort of initial thoughts of what is intimate partner stalking? Well, it goes back to that initial question, uh, question point that we keep making about control. So intimate partner stalking, in my view, usually happens when uh, who we'd call perpetrator has lost control of the individual. Maybe they've left a relationship or maybe um, they're in that relationship, but they feel like they're losing control. And then there's a series of activities, whether that be online stalking, whether it be following them to work, whether it be hanging out around their home if they don't live with them anymore. Uh, And many ways just to threaten and intimidate someone. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, but... um... Uh, the the law for harassment came out in 1997, which probably a, a lot of people weren't even born then. And it does seem a lifetime away, even for perhaps for us. But it was updated last year because stalking didn't really exist as a legal term. But uh, intimate partner is sometimes it's actually categorised if um, that people that are involved in the relationships. Let me just go back. I'm just going to get this really right. So it includes, but it's not limited to current or former partners, spouses, people who are dating, sexual partners, and people who do not have sexual relationships. Now, I think that's a really important one because I think a lot of people think it's only if you have a sexual relationship that it's intimate partner. But if you're in, uh, if you're related to them or if there's any familiar uh, contact and things like this, it also comes under this because obviously the, the opposite one is the stranger stalking, which we'll be doing at another day. But intimate partner... If there's any contact, it doesn't have to be sexual. And the relationships may be heterosexual or the same sex. There's no Under law, there's no uh, difference between the the two of those now. But it's important to realise that um, 
most um, stalking people don't realise until it is a number of offences. They make excuses for it. They have they um, they say, oh, you know, it's just a coincidence. So even up to about a hundred incidents happen before people really start realising that no, the, the something here is happening. But an offence of stalking is two events. So it's really important to think that, you know, if you are feeling this, and because an awful lot of people feel like they've had um, a, an invasion or something's not quite right, but they ignore it or they make excuses for it, you know, it's not. You know, you've really got to take these the seriously. You know, listen to your gut, listen to whatever feeling you're getting. And, you know, this could be uh, following somebody, uh, going in to their home or in their environment, uh, uninvited, uh, checking on people's use of internet, email, or any sort of communications within the phones. Also, you know, spying or checking on people as well. So there's a lot that's involved in this. And this is why I say that, you know, in, in this sort of session, we're not going to do justice, but we might just raise a little bit of awareness. Yeah, and they've changed the coercive control laws last year. So the original coercive control law came out in 2015 and they amended it last year to look at people that you may have been in a relationship with or had some links to in the past. So you don't necessarily need to be in a romantic relationship. So it looks like the stalking laws and the coercive control laws have kind of happened and, and been re, um, rewritten to uh, reflect this as well. Um, I know from... My perspective, having worked with victims, survivors of domestic abuse, one of the things that happens is that um, it might be a partner or a previous partner is hanging around work. Now, we do a lot of work with uh, workplaces as well as with young people on this topic. But hanging around work is a sign that actually someone's not letting that relationship go. They might be there to antagonise. They might not even do anything violent but it might be the underlying threat and I think that's the thing with stalking it's the underlying threat that something potentially could happen and having looked at some of the data this morning before our chat um, a lot of instances where there is uh, violence or where there has been a death a domestic abuse death um, it has been um elements of stalking and intimate partners stalking or previous partners stalking prior to uh, that victim being being killed. Yeah, I think there's uh, two uh, points there. Is part of the stalking thing is that it's actually criteria is fear of violence. So you know that is there because I say a lot of people um, push it aside or make excuses and things like that. They don't really listen to it until it becomes so blatant that something something is happening. So I say very often there could be sort of a hundred incidents, and two incidents means that there is a, a stalking offence. So it's uh, it's about um, the victim as well uh, being aware and actually taking note and not making excuses for the perpetrator. You know, taking this on. And I think we discussed before about. Um, the amount of things that aren't taken probably serious enough or linking things up because when something is even reported, it's not always linked to something else. And stalking very often has um, a burglary 
element to it you know they might break into a, a, a property or a vehicle or something like this something's not always stolen or something could actually be left you know and trackers and things like that now are so easily um added to to people's personal property and things like this and you know observation spyware something like this which is a whole nother topic but yeah and, and setting up family members and children to stalk and spy on behalf or you know there's a situation that I know of with a client of mine that um her ex-partner had got the child to steal some keys for the house um in the premise that they might need some things when they're staying with that other partner and the victim was away working and came back and every light in the house was on and it was almost like that sinister calling card that said I'm here I'm watching you and I've got keys for your house hadn't done anything violent hadn't done anything but it was the threat and intimidation and the violation of being on someone's property I mean you and I know that you know from burglaries and having things stolen that that affects you quite badly if um, you feel that someone's violated your space and your property imagine that being someone that you might have been in a relationship with before and they're there saying you can't ever escape me but they don't actually say that they're just doing a series of activities that, that imply that yeah. I think this is one of the things that's really important with the police that uh, them to take these sort of things seriously because you know we've had, I've had the case as well particularly that um, somebody had moved several times and then uh, comes home and there's um, a bunch of flowers a bouquet of flowers left on the doorstep and it's exactly the same right. definition right. saying that um, you know, I know where you are now. Yeah, so yeah. the safety of that area, the safety of the home is now in jeopardy because it's leaving that message that no matter where you are, I'm going to find you. But the police, Absolutely. you know, or even people around the victim, you know, when they say, oh, some, you know, well, they've been and they've left a bunch of flowers. Well, perhaps they're apologising. Perhaps they're being, you know, perhaps they're being nice. Oh, that's I, nice. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to turn over a new leaf. Maybe they're sorry for what they did. Yeah all those dialogues that other people create that make you doubt actually if it feels uncomfortable and it's sat in your gut then it probably is uncomfortable if your body is shaking then there's something not right with the uh, action yeah because they you know the, uh, stalking doesn't have to be violent it might lead to a violent uh, episode but just the, the threat of being there, you know, is horrendous. And the same, we get an awful lot of people talking to us about, you know, before a violent attack happens, that you know that they've had something broken into, or you know, the perpetrator has been in the house or something like this. So it's important to actually make sure that these are reported and that there are links between each of the offences because it's really easy. And the perpetrators are very often very savvy about what's going on. I mean, a lot of now is being dismissed if um, uh, different episodes are more than six months apart because they're saying that they're not related incidents. So it's really, really important to keep this journal, keep the log, uh, keep all the reports and make sure that they, they do get linked. You know, it's hard work. And I will say that, you know, the police are a postcode lottery. If you're in an area where you've got a, a stalking support unit, you know, it's a great bonus. But unfortunately, there's not that many of them yet. 
you know, things are yeah. changing, but slowly. And, and on the other side of that, so I obviously do a lot of work with young people, as people who've listened to these uh, podcasts will know. One of the things that's becoming increasingly common in terms of setting up potential stalking is the uh, Snap Maps location on uh, a phone. So for those of you that don't know about Snapchat, Snapchat's an app which is very similar to some of the Messenger apps, the WhatsApp ones, but it has a location feature in it um, called Snap Maps. And that means if it's switched on and it's open to either the public or you can open it to your friends, people who know you or people who don't, if you've got it widely open and public, can tell you exactly where you are down to the specific location. And I know that um, a friend of my daughter's was away abroad and I could tell you the exact hotel that she was staying in. This is a teenager. These apps are quite dangerous and actually young people don't realise that they're letting themselves wide open to stalking and being stalked, whether that be by um, a partner or whether that be by a friend or whether that be by a stranger if they've got it open publicly. So, you know, there are all these apps and, and location happens on all sorts of apps as well. I think Instagram's got it, Facebook's got it. If you enable it, people, you are easy, more easily accessible and people can find out where you are. And that includes some of the not very nice people that are out there. Yeah, I, I was listening to a, a, a quite a good discussion the other day about um, this. I think there's a new app um, for Apple the, about finding your uh, finding your phone or your keys and things like this that you can then put uh, put it on your phone. I think Jerry Vine was actually doing this the, this discussion because he had the use that he lost his keys, but then he went and he found them with somebody in the middle of a park. But it's just it can be used obviously for good things, which it was probably invented for. But it also enables a lot of other people to do things you know that aren't so nice as well. So yeah, although there's a good side of things, it, there's always somebody that will use it in a reverse way as well. Yeah, let's talk about the dynamics and the power dynamics of when. So I'm talking in terms of my life working with survivors of domestic abuse. So quite often, one of the things that people will say is, why don't you just leave? Yeah. And people don't just leave domestic abuse situations because it has to be planned. And one of the fears that a person may have is that they will be stopped. The person will become obsessive. They won't leave them alone. So what's kind of your view in terms of that dynamic um, when someone leaves an intimate partner and they just won't leave them alone? As, as, as you said very clearly, you know, uh, it's one of the most dangerous times in um, a toxic or coercive control or controlling relationship to actually part from that person for the simple reason that when that person loses total control, they are backed into a corner. So they are going to act probably in a way that they haven't before. It might escalate. So the planning is the key and you won't do do it by yourself. You have to have people around you to prepare for it, especially if you've got children involved and things like this. It's incredibly important to get yourself this support and you know somebody there and a plan because you know it it doesn't just work just walking out because you know you, you've got to have something there to to support you as well. Uh, 
and I think that's part of the key. If you've already uh, reported, probably you have um, beforehand. If you've talked to other people and you've had it um, documented and you've got other people involved, I think, you know, the thing that people uh, do, don't do well enough as victims is their journals, is their evidence. You know, what was the place? What was the person? Where, where's, who's your victim? Uh, who's your witnesses? Um, what was actually happening? What was even the weather like? Because if it goes to court, one of the uh, uh, defence ones that they get straight away was, oh, it, it was dark and and uh, um, foggy. So how how could you tell it was the perpetrator? Yeah. So you know, get, getting this information is so so important, and yet it's something uh, that's you know sidelined a lot. But I do think it's, it, the control part is such an important thing to look at that getting yourself, I mean, especially when there's financial um, abuse there as well. You know, if you're finding, you know, trying to get some money outside to get yourself a little bit of a um, a pot, because obviously you, you do. There are charities, there's not enough out there but and there's definitely not enough funding to help people move on there are some and you know find them samaritans is always a good one the stalking line uh national stalking line is always another good place to go because they do have a lot of experience and the people that are working there you know nine times out of ten have been through the situation as well and if you yeah always tell somebody if you are feeling like you're in danger that someone is stalking you that it is threatening and you're fearing for your life then you must contact the police non-molestation orders can be put in place they'll only go so far if the perpetrator is adamant and totally obsessed with tracking you down and putting the fear of god into you then there isn't a non-molestation order in the land that will prevent that but it could be a deterrent for some. And, and so I'm not saying don't get non-molestation orders. It's certainly evidence that there has been incidents in the past if you do have one in place. So I would always say get one in place. Um, yeah, I mean, it is the most dangerous time for, for a, a victim of domestic abuse is when they leave or the perpetrator feels like they've lost control because that's when the stalking happens. It then turns into an obsession. Yeah, the, the obsession and the compulsion are uh, issues as well because the person uh, then feels compelled to, to try and get some form of control back again because that's so important to them and their life, you know, their existence. So where they've had the power over before, the fact that they've lost it uh, is such a, a driving force to them that, you know, in, in a perpetrator's uh, perception, very often that is the only thing that matters. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's like, uh, it's the same as an addiction, that it will always take priority. So you know, for the the victim side of it, you know, it's it's a turning it's a key turning point of escalation, most definitely. So protecting yourself, getting yourself with um, talking to other people, and getting you know a, a safe location is incredibly important. And it might not always be that simple. So we talk a lot about triangulation and how other people get brought into it. So it might well be that. You know, they turn up to your child's school with the intention of you being there to pick them up. 
it might be that they're using family members or friends in the narrative and they're convincing them that actually there's not anything wrong and that you're being dramatic and over the top and actually playing it down. So triangulation where other people are used to uh, be involved in the fear and intimidation inadvertently sometimes as well. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, this is one of the things the perpetrators are usually um, quite um, feasible to, to other people and they come across as if they're they're sort of trying to care for you know for you and other people are misunderstanding the the way the the relationship things like this but and even with a, an, a, a molestation order the fact is that they could have a 50 yard or 100 yard um area but they will stand 51 yards or 101 as i say the, the perpetrators are um, are not silly they, they know what the limitations are, that uh, if they want to keep on doing this, they will keep to this, but they will invade it in, in different ways. I mean, we're not talking so much about uh, cyber stalking today, but that's another way that they go into groups and uh, different things. And they actually get people within the groups to then, you know, a troll or a hound or you know send send messages or or bad information about people as well which is a whole nother uh story yeah so we call them flying monkeys in the uh, domestic abuse arena because they're like the wicked witch of the west sending out their little messengers to go and find out information gather information that they can use against the the victim yeah. Um, one of the things that I have heard from a couple of people that I'm working with recently is trackers. So trackers being fitted to cars so that they know where they are. Um, that's quite scary because, you know, we feel that once we're in our car, we're pretty free. If someone puts a tracker, and I think it's quite easy for them to do it to the outside of the vehicle, um, they then can track your movements and where you are. I would always say to someone, if you are in fear, check under the wheels of your car, check that there's no kind of buzzing or flashing lights or anything that that there may be trackers attached to, to your vehicle. Yeah, I, I would always say as well, if, if you, if you think, or even if you don't think, but it's a possibility that you don't even really want to consider, you can always go, don't go to a local garage, you know, because if they put it up and just check it for you, nine times out of 10, they don't charge you because, um, if you say that you think you know something's happening and, and could somebody have a look, they will do it for you. So it is not being paranoid. It's about being protective because you can have them on there for a long time and not even realise. So you're all, you know, you're giving away information, you know, in, in that way. So it's quite easy to do. The other thing I just think we, we ought to touch on, I know we're at the time here, but um it's very easy, and we I'm sure you see a lot, I see an awful lot, is when the victim becomes a perpetrator because right. it you know, retaliates uh, abuse because people are pushed so far and all of a sudden they retaliate. And you know, online is an easy one of writing things about people and you know, all of a sudden you can then become the abuser. And also, and look at prison time. It, it, it's a it's a crazy situation, and it's one of the things that easily. So we do see um, people coming up for, you know, murder charges even. So 
this is why so protecting yourself and not letting the the situation get to that because with the with the um the perpetrator you know, manipulating so much it's easy for the victim to actually step over that boundary and really consider you know getting getting rid of the perpetrator well it, yeah it's wildly and confusing and frustrating angering and i can say this you know i hear quite often i just want to stab them to death and it's like no don't do that walk away go and find some safe some safe place to be but particularly if uh, children have been used as well as pawns in their either stalking or their abusive activities it does trigger emotion and you can see why these incidents happen where people have kind of retaliated against abuse or stalking and ended up themselves in prison as a result because they've either done something really seriously wrong or they've lashed out, you know. It, so, yeah, I would always say to someone, if somebody is winding you up, following you, intimidating you, putting fear of God into you to the extreme that you want to take their life, walk away, find someone to support you, go and find a refuge anywhere but away from that person and that situation. Yeah, very, very, very much so. So I know time always gets the better of us. You know, we could we could talk for hours. We have this problem that you just, you know, time, time is too short. So at least if you were, you know, anybody's in this situation at the moment that they're dealing and or they don't particularly perhaps want to admit that this is happening to them but what would your golden tips be make a plan what is your so if you're in that relationship what's your exit plan and how is that keeping you and if you've got children your children safe if you're no longer in that how do you get yourself far away enough from that person and create enough boundaries. And it might be that it's not physically possible to move away from that person, but you might have a support network that can surround you. So support networks, a plan on how you leave and how you keep that person away from your life. And I always think wherever possible, zero contact, even if you've got children, try and make that possible. Even if you've got a co-parent in some sort of way, have a boundary. So whether that be through friends or family in a roundabout way, it's creating boundaries and keeping yourself safe and having a plan. Don't just make a knee jerk decision. Yeah, great, great points there. Um, me, I always go back to collect your evidence. So many people overlook it, but collect it, uh, keep the data. Um, for a lot of people, if you're in a, a coercive relationship or a controlling relationship, you might not be able to keep it at your place. If you've got a friend, then you know, leave the information there. You know, if somebody goes through your phone or goes through your files and things like this, you know, but keep the information. You need it because you need to be, build up that picture and, and the timeline because otherwise the police, unfortunately, do just take things as individual events and they don't uh, join the dots, which is a, a really important you thing. Can password protect and lock notes as well on your phone? So if that's an option, do that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Unless somebody's checking it, obviously, and they see something that they can't get into, it might just kick them off a little bit more. But depending on what your situation is, you know, looking uh, looking for that, and yeah, always talk to people. You know, I mean, I know social services is a really bad word for a lot of people, 
but you know going to official people once their red flags are up and the schools always speak to schools make sure the children can't be picked up by you know anybody else or without your permission and things like this so it's about taking these steps and safeguarding you and children if you have them or elderly parents even you know if there's a vulnerable area yeah the perpetrator will look for it so you know, yeah. make make sure these are done and talk yep yeah. don't don't keep it quiet because the more it's kept quiet the more the perpetrator can get away with uh, what they're doing so put yeah. the light on talk to people and get information out there so one least... giant risk assessment that's what it is it's one giant risk assessment yeah, it it is. It is and, and normally in our lives, we don't really think about, you know, we'll go out and think, oh, you know, is it icy? I need to wear, you know, rubber shoes or things like this. We do things in, in life without even thinking about it. But this one, you've, you know, sit down and really think about it because uh, you, you're you not going to be able to just do it on your own. So, Lise, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I'm info at soundproofbox.org. And I'm uh, Linda at lindasage.com. And uh, you can find us both on LinkedIn, Facebook. We're out there about. We love questions, so please get in touch. We're going to be carrying on uh, next time with uh, Stranger Stalking. So uh, we will be looking at that side of it, which is a completely different viewpoint to uh, this one. But if you've got any questions, you've got any uh, worries, you know, even if you can't talk to somebody else, drop us a line or get in touch with us. We will, we will there and help and support. So thank you so much for being with us. And uh, from me, it's goodbye. See you. Bye. Until next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to True Crime People and Places. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, please let us know. See you next time.